Well, folks, it was uh, eight years ago this month, eight years ago in February. I don't remember the exact uh, date, but it was a Wednesday. Wednesday night, eight years ago, I called a group of people together in our church. Uh, I don't remember the exact number. It was like 30, 35 people. And uh, they were people representative of, of different areas of ministry, different age groups uh, of the church. And I called them together uh, to dream a little bit, to kind of imagine what, what could be, what might be, what the Lord might be doing uh, in and through Colonial Heights Baptist. At that time, just to kind of give you the context in which this conversation was taking place, uh, we were running about 800 in worship. Uh, we were running about 500 in Bible fellowship, by any standard, a, a large church at that time. Uh, there was no, no concept of any of this. No, no concept of buildings, of land, of moving. None of that was on the table. None of it was even an idea. So it was into that kind of context that I suggested them. I, I thought, what if, we, what if we start? Let's imagine this, that our church is running 5,000 in worship. Now, folks, when you, when you hear that number, I think churches, probably to a point of unhealthiness, kind of get focused on just that one number. What are we running in worship? How big is their growth? Is their decline? We get, we get focused on that number. And I told the group that night, my goal is not the 5,000. My goal is what that 5,000 would produce. Because you see, if we're running 5,000 in worship, if you just kind of run the percentages for how we, how, how we, wherever we are in numbers, then that means we would have about 3,500 people in Bible fellowship. That's 3,500 people engaging in building meaningful Christian relationships, taking that next step of discipleship, that next step of, of ministry and serving and getting involved. That, that would be my goal. If we have 5,000 in worship, that probably means we're going to be in the neighborhood of about 400 that are, are engaged in learning and being trained to, to share the gospel, going out into the community day in and day out, week in and week out. 400 folks, that's an army, isn't it? Sending out 400 people with the, with the gospel. If, if we were running 5,000 in worship, that means we'd have about 1,400 children and youth here every single week. Would you stop and think about that number for a moment? 1,400 children and youth that we're ministering to, training, discipling each and every week. And that's happening in a context in the United States where, I mean, you, you see these articles in the paper periodically. Our denomination certainly affirms this. Folks, the church is losing the next generation. We're, we're not declining. We're not dwindling. We're losing the next generation. They're not there. The church's future in America is dangerously close to being non-existent. Now, I realize that kind of sounds like inflammatory language. You know, I'm, I'm saying that to get to some point. I mean, that's not, the church isn't really going to end in America. Oh, yeah? I have one word for you. Europe. Folks, for a thousand years, well, about four times longer than America's even been in existence, for over a thousand years, Europe was the center of Christianity. For hundreds of years, the United Kingdom was the great missionary sending nation into the whole world. You go to England today, you go to the nations of Europe today, at best, any one individual averages about 3-5% to 5 of their population is evangelical Christianity. 
For over a thousand years, Christianity was booming from Europe. It's non-existent there now. Almost no impact at all. So this idea that the church is just going to go on forever, that the church in America, the church is actually going to go on forever, uh, but the church in America, it'll, it'll just keep happening. Folks, that's not true. We have to get high behind a vision for the future. Let me tell you something. If you're over the age of 45 and you love Christ and you love His church, very little ought to dominate your, your mind, your prayers, your giving, your serving of Christ more than how do we get that next generation. Because if it's not, the church you love is going to join you in the grave. Folks, this is a real issue. We have to get behind how do we reach the future? How do we get that next generation? And I think in our size community, 1400 is a pretty good shot, isn't it? At trying to reach in there and make sure that the church, that our part of seeing the church being healthy and growing through that future generation, that's a great opportunity there, 1400. Folks, if we're running 5,000, we're going to have probably about 400 going into the world every single year, going to a different nation every single year on short-term mission trips. Now, folks, think about the vision of our church. We've said it is to impact our community and our world for Christ. Look at two of those numbers up there. 400 being sent into our community with the gospel. 400 every year being sent around the world with the gospel. Folks, we're living out that vision. We're, we're seeing that brought about. We, we would see at 5,000, we would probably see three or 400 people being baptized every single year. Folks, these are the goals that I have in mind when I say, can you imagine, can you see our church running 5,000? And with that kind of that picture on the board, of course, I was putting this all on a whiteboard with, with that picture on a board. Then I came over here and said, OK, now, what are the resources we have to do something like this? And I wrote down, I wrote buildings and land. You, you realize when I wrote that, there was no concept of this. And gosh, looking back, not even thinking of our future, just looking at what's happening today. Man, where we were, that property would have never supported uh, what's just happening today, much in, much less any kind of future. But I wrote down, you know, buildings, land. You know, we have a budget. We have leaders. We have a we have a congregation. Wrote down these different resources that that God has given in our midst, and what needs to happen in each of those for us to be able to move forward and see something like this happen. Folks, it was an exciting night for me. I get, I get pumped talking like that. I mean, that was just fun. I enjoyed it. And I would have never imagined that when I left that room, we were dreaming way too small. You say, well, wait a minute. How can you say you're dreaming too small? You haven't, you haven't reached those goals. You haven't, you haven't gotten there yet. Oh, but folks, it's coming up on us so much faster than I ever anticipated. Man, we left there that night. We were all excited, I think. We were all kind of dreaming and imagining but I'll tell you something, folks, as we left there that night, we didn't realize that within weeks, God was going to begin making it happen within weeks. And I did not say God blessed our prayers. I did not say that God blessed our efforts or God blessed our ideas. I'm just saying God took that and he began to put it in place. He began to make it happen because within weeks and again, I remember the exact dates. But within weeks, a lady in our church by the name of Linda Hewlin, I saw her back here. Is she here? 
She's out. She was here in the last service. She's in our choir. Linda Hewlin came to our staff. And she said, you know, there's this... Actually, she was down there, so she'd have been pointing this way. <laughs> she said, there's this property up there. I don't, I don't know if, don't know should, could the church be interested in that, do something with that. My first thought was, because I'd been pastor four months, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. I will have a... I just thought I got my resume ready. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Six months later, we owned that property. And folks, as we, as we were so excited about that moment and getting... This 38 acres that we're on. By the way, folks, what you see cleared is only about half. We own deep into the trees all around us. As we were standing there, all I could see was not the great vision. All I could see was impossibilities. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm, this is a little bit on a personal level, but I'm thinking, God, I don't know how to move a church. I've never even been a part of a church that's moved. I've never even seen that. And do you know, I realized, I don't think God could care. I don't think he cared one bit about what my experiences or abilities were. I think he said, I'm moving. You better catch up. But folks, I'm standing there and we're looking at all this. And at that time, and and, you know, a lot of y'all weren't there. At that time, we had a $1.5 million budget. Now I realize from where a lot of y'all are coming in in churches, that, that sounds like a massive budget. But when you're looking at a $20 million project, folks, that's never going to happen. A church with a $1.5 million budget is not going to build a $20 million project. That's an impossibility. To even begin looking at this, not, not to move, just to start looking at this, we had to sell our building. Had to sell it immediately. But we had nowhere to go. And we had no buildings. So God, we need to sell our building today, but we need to keep it indefinitely. That, that's impossible, isn't it? I don't know about y'all if you've ever sold anything. I find that buyers have this nasty habit of wanting to possess that which they've bought. That's what we needed God to do. Sell our building right now, but let us keep it. And how do you even pray about something like that? We had, had done some study, and it's been since then that I've looked at this. I don't know if the numbers have changed any. But at that time, uh, uh, the average church sale in the United States took 10 years. When a church went on the market, it took 10 years to sell that church. When the church went on the market, by the time it sold, it sold for 30% of its value. We sold our church in nine months. We sold it for 80% of its value. We got to stay in it indefinitely. We got to stay in it. And this is, you know, folks, the fair market value for running it at that time. Didn't even think about praying about this. What were we going to have to pay somebody to stay in it? Our rental agreement was for $5,000 a month less than what we'd been paying in a mortgage payment. So now we were actually saving money. I mean, folks, this is... I take it by your clap. You're seeing what I'm saying. That's God. That's not God blessing a pastor or a staff or a church leadership or a church. That's just God making it happen. God began to put this stuff into place. In April of uh, 2004, we put a project team together, a team of about 20 people that would kind of lead us through the the sell of the building and and transitioning and designing a new facility and getting that built and, and getting us moved here. That was in April of 2004. In April of 2008, only four years later, less than five years after we purchased this property, we moved into this building and had our first service 
in April of 2008. Since then, in less than three years' time, now, it's what, two years and 11 months, but in less than three years' time, we have baptized almost 500 people. And folks, when I say almost, we're in like the 496, 497 is where we are right now through, through last weekend. Almost 500 people baptized in three years. In that amount of time, we've seen our average attendance climb by, by oh, almost 1,000 people a Sunday. Folks, building made a difference, didn't it? it? It made a difference in what we were doing, but not just here in the building. Not just here in our community. Since we've been here, we've had the opportunity now to see our second Global Impact Conference. And uh, as you've heard me say a couple of times now, just this year alone, what we're doing in going out around the world. We've already had a team go out uh, to Honduras. They've been gone these last two weeks. As a matter of fact, Ben, who you just saw pray a moment ago, was on that team. The Kings were on that team. Uh, building a, a medical unit next to or connected to a church that, that, that had been built years ago. Uh, that, that works. So we've been to, already been to Honduras this year. We're still going to Nicaragua, China, Italy, Ukraine, uh, Boston. Folks, everything we talked about that night is happening. It's happening. It's coming to fruition more than we ever imagined. You know, and when I think about that night and writing that, that, those words, buildings and land, having no concept of this right here. You know, we moved into this building. 80,000 square feet, more, more space than we had down there, all brand new. Moved into this, never imagining within months we were going to have to go start another construction project out here at the exit and entrance and build that out to its full master plan size. In, le in just a little over two years, we were going to have to add 18,000 square feet to our children and preschool area, which will be open and used for service here in just a couple more weeks uh, when we get into April. I think within a year, we added the four modulars out back here for adult Bible fellowship and, and Wednesday night discipleship. Never saw any of that coming. Folks, I used to look at the master plan and think that was some kind of Pie in the sky dream. Maybe, maybe one day we could see that come about. Maybe one day that would happen. You know, maybe I won't be too far away from the grave when it happens. Now I wonder if it can happen fast enough. Let me remind you some of, of what our, our master plan is. Look up here on the screen. And folks, I get to use the coveted red laser. Do you realize, as, as pastor of this church, I've never once got to use this. Not once, except till today. So I'm pumped, man. And... So I asked Roger Hamrick if I could use it. He made me sign for it and put down a deposit. <laughs> so anyway, watch this. Boom, there it is. Uh, th this is our master plan. I know a lot of y'all probably have never seen this. Uh, this is level one. There is a level two. We're not, we're not going to be looking at that today. It's not a building meeting, but just kind of refresh us of where we are. This is the, the, the master plan. To give you some perspective, this gray area right here, this is the building we're in right now. So you can see that actually what we're in right now is pretty small in light of the entire scheme. The uh, 18,000 square feet we're adding are right here, right, right back that way uh, is, is what we're getting ready to add. Kind of give you another little perspective. You know how big the hallway is out there, the concourse. Now, it doesn't feel big when we're all packed and trying to go in and out. But look, go out there and look up. Look, that's a huge room. That hallway is this right here. Look at how it feeds into the, the hallway. The big daddy hallway. I mean, look at this monster. Uh, we have identified phase 2A was, was this little piece right here, 18,000 square feet. Uh, phase 2B would be uh, 
uh, this little piece right here on the first floor would be uh, more adult Bible fellowship. The second floor would be administrative places. I think right now I have three staff that are in closets. Uh, no, no joke. We have converted closets into offices. So we're, we're a slam out of uh, that. Double gym, uh, new youth center in our, in our phase 2B. The present youth center, which is right here, uh, our second floor over here, all of that would be renovated and, and turned into adult space. So that entire wing would be adults. I know if you have Bible fellowship on the first floor with the adults above you, playing music, you're probably saying, well, when are we doing phase 2B? Uh, Can that happen soon enough? Uh, Double gym. Folks, great, great opportunities for for recreation and reach out. But I want to tell you something. My idea and goal of a double gym has nothing to do with the basketball because uh, one of our great opportunities to continue to grow at this site may be that when we have that double gym over there, we'll do two services at the same time. Because uh, we can only keep stacking service on top of service on top of service so much. Now, when I say two services at the same time, right out that wall over there in the double gym, I don't mean overflow. I don't mean when this room fills up, then the, the people who got here late go grumbling over to the overflow room. I mean two complete, total, separate, distinct worship services. Maybe one kind in here, another kind in there. They have their own announcements. There, Everything's going on. And then at the time for the sermon... Then I would get up, but here's the really cool part, because I really think, and Mike's promised me, right, Mike? Sure, that, in a little more confidence than that, uh, the technology's there uh, that instead of, you know, I'm standing in here in one room and I'm on the screen in the other, it'll probably be holograph. So you won't know if you're looking at the real Randy <laughs> or the holograph Randy. Now that, hey, that, Roger can have his stupid little pen. I get the holograph. Uh, so we, you know, I don't know. We, you know, that might be what's going on. But that actually is pretty significant piece. Uh, a double gym with all that can come with that, a pretty significant part of that is going to be able to do two worship services. And then as you go on, where's my light? Shoot, Roger made it. There it is. Okay, this would be uh, the ultimate uh, or the sanctuary, the last piece probably of this uh, that would hold possibly as much as 3,000. Uh, in one service, which would enable us to get back to, you know, not so many services. We got a chapel over here. You know, these buildings complete. These become all preschool and children, all adults. Again, youth all over here. Let's look at the next one. And by the way, this is the last slide. Again, this is not a building meeting. This is the same, same floor plan you just saw, but this is the entire site. Uh, you know, right now we just have parking right here. And we've got gravel that is actually about right here. And then we park in the grove that is right there. By the way, the grove this summer uh, down here, that will all become not asphalt parking, but gravel. And it'll take us from being able to, to park about 200 cars down there to about 400 cars. Uh, that's going to happen starting in May. But uh, this would be 1,400 parking spots uh, is what that would give us. And so that's kind of what it it looks like when it's all completed. Now, I, I mentioned there's a potential of a phase 2B, which is, again, my... There we go. Uh, it's this piece and, and this piece uh, and, and then that right there. We, at one time, thought we may actually be already underway on that right now. We were thinking as we came into wintertime uh, that we would begin schematic designs on that. Obviously, we've got the concept. We'd move into schematic designs, and maybe as soon as um, 
this fall, we would be in a capital campaign. And maybe by this time next year, that would be underway. Construction would begin on that. You remember I came to you several months ago and uh, for a variety of reasons. But the big one, I just felt like God said, stop. God, God said, no more right now. And I said, but God, you know what you're doing? He said, you're kidding, right? Uh, you know, he, he said, you know, let, let's hold off on that. And then come to the things that the Lord really laid on my heart. I wanted to get our, our budget a little bit under more under control. It is growing uh, so fast. Our, our debt, uh, getting a little, we're handling our debt. We're handling our payments just fine. Uh, but wanted to, to see us more aggressively attack that debt right now. You remember we started at about a $14 million uh, loan. That's down now right at... 13. We are borrowing. This is a, the 18,000 square feet and the site work that is being done is a $4.3 million project. We're borrowing 2.3 for that. And uh, our goal is that by March of 2014, we've paid that loan in full and we've got the main loan down under 12. And uh, y'all received a letter about what we're trying to do, a, a maybe having you consider how ab above and beyond what you give to the budget, giving to the building. Uh, that gives us the potential to do that, just a one-year commitment. Not anticipating we'll raise $2.3 in one year, but hopefully if we got around 800000 that would put us on a plan where we could probably pretty readily accomplish that. Now, you know, when you think about the debt and what we've got to accomplish, you know, for the first time in all of this, it dawned on me when I was working on this week, what has been accomplished this started, our first capital campaign started in October of 2005. So that means from 2005 to the plan we have right now in 2014, uh, in less, I put nine years, it's actually eight and a half. In that eight and a half years, folks, we would have paid $13 million toward a $25 million project. That's pretty impressive, especially when you consider that in that nine years, the last three has been some of the worst economy that the United States has seen in, in decades. Uh, that's, that's phenomenal. I praise the Lord for, for you, for Him and what He's provided that has enabled us to have accomplished. Remember, we started this with a $1.5 million budget. And now here we are in that time having paid off that amount. Now, having said all that, since that is on hold for the time being, I would say right now we're a minimum of three to four years before we enter another building, before we have an opportunity to be doing worship twice at the same, at the same time, which means we're having to figure out how we handle our growth with the services, with the buildings that we have right now. And folks, we're a little overwhelmed at how fast it's coming. I really thought, you know, and I imagine some of y'all did too, you know, there'll be the first year or two that the community's kind of excited about this new building open and they're going to come and, and see. But you, you obviously anticipate that slowing down and leveling off. Folks, we're growing faster now. You can't even compare to the first year that we're in the building. The January before we moved in, this is just a little snapshot. The January before we moved in, in, in 2008, uh, our average morning worship was 1437. This past January, a few weeks ago, was 2524. That was our average attendance during the month of January. And what we're seeing is that as we climb up, as we start hitting 24, 2500, we hit it for a few weeks, we always start sliding right back down. Because the facilities, that's a pressure. People feel that pressure. And, and so we're not quite able to sustain that. So how do we keep growing? 
And uh, as a matter of fact, looking at, at the number of people coming to us, folks, right now, and this is much more than in the first or second year, right now we average about 30 first-time visitors a week. Now, when I say 30 first-time visitors, I don't mean individuals. I mean homes. A home might be one person. It might be five people. But there's about 30 homes entering our church for the first time every single Sunday. And about six to ten of those, a little over half a dozen, on average, are coming from over 20 miles away to get here. So we see the numbers coming, but even more than that, the impact is spreading further and further and further out into our community. They're coming from further and further away to get here. So we're, we're a little stressed right now. How, yeah, we got the buildings. I can't change the buildings. So what are we doing about the schedule and the ministries that will enable us to sustain this, to keep people so that they can move into this room comfortably, move off and on the lot comfortably? And by the way, I've given up the goal that we'll ever move off and on the lot comfortably, but it just sounds kind of fun to say. But... So folks, we've been working uh, pretty feverishly and prayerfully the last two weeks, our pastoral staff, uh, at, at deciding it, at what we do, when we do it, and uh, we've kind of got a concept now of what, uh, the when, we've all kind of scared ourselves because we think that sooner is more important than later, uh, whether it be before summer, after summer, so kind of where we are right now is uh, on Easter Sunday, y'all know that traditionally last several years we've done three services on easter sunday morning uh, we're going to do three services again this easter easter's late this year isn't it april 24th i think that's as late as it gets uh so on april 24th we'll ha we don't do bible fellowship on easter sunday we'll do those three morning worship services we'll actually we'll do four that day because we'll do our our third service at our third service is the fourth service, yeah. Our third service will be at 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll keep that service in place. When we come back to church May 1st, all of those services will stay in place. We will do three morning worship services, three Bible fellowship hours. We'll do a fourth service. And by the way, I've, I've ridiculed my staff for how short-sighted they are. Uh, they called our third service the third. After six months, it's going to be the fourth. Uh, but we will, we will be in four worship hours, four Bible fellowship hours. The, the third, which is at five o'clock, that style of worship and what we're doing there will stay in that spot like it is. And then we'll take this morning and trying to create more room in here and we'll divide out to, to three hours and the, the three Bible fellowship hours. Raises a lot of questions. When's that going to, or what's that going to look like? Who will go where? How will that happen? Uh, we have begun figuring that out, and I'd be lying to you if I said we had it figured out. We've got a lot of meetings tomorrow. Everybody's pretty excited about on our staff to get to. We'll start working this out. I would say uh, this, would be a, this Tuesday night would be a good time to be at choir, and this Wednesday night would be a good time to be at team meeting uh, because that is definitely when we're going to start unfolding what a lot of this is going to look like and how it's going to happen. But folks, not only are we going to go to four worship services in May, four Bible fellowship hours, but we've been praying, researching, working on another idea. And, and as we see people coming from further and further away, we've gotten a little bit more motivated that we need to move beyond thinking to sing about how this can become a reality. And that is we're looking at multi-siting. Uh, multi-siding looks a little bit like church planning. Some of you might be familiar with that. You go out, you plan a church, you put a group of people there, a campus pastor, a worship team, and kind of once they're able to stand on their own, you know, you back off and you leave them. And they're, they're, they become their own distinct church. That's not what we're talking about. That's church planning. Multi-siding, you do much the same thing, except you never leave them. 
they remain Colonial Heights Baptist Church. Uh, as a matter of fact, what I just described to you, we might be doing with a gym. Yeah, there might be Holograph Randy at the gym. And there might be Holograph Randy at the Heights in Midlothian. And at the Heights in Hopewell. We might have a site that is not even related to the Tri-Cities or the Richmond Metroplex. We may go out even further into our state uh, than that. Because we really feel burdened that what God is doing here, not what we're doing here, but that what God is doing here can be, maybe should be, reproduced in multiple places. So folks, these are some of the things that we're working on, developing on. I don't know that the multi-siding will happen this year, but we're using this year to get pretty definitive at how that might come about and when that might come about. Now folks, I take you back just eight years ago. And, and I'm getting to an age where eight years is starting to sound like a shorter and shorter amount of time. Just eight years ago, man, when I stood in that room talking with people and, and, and dreaming those things, folks, this building was nowhere in sight. This land was nowhere in sight. I had no concept of, of four worship services. I had no concept of being in multiple sites around our city, maybe around our state. I had no concept of any of that. But God did. And God's beginning to bring it about. I thought maybe what we were doing there was the goal. Now I'm not so sure it's the goal. Now I think maybe it's a starting point. You know, folks, I, I am reminded of the, or I was reminded of the very first sermon I preached in this church. I wasn't your pastor. I came in view of a call the last Sunday in October of 2002. And, and I preached from a passage, and I felt led by God to preach that passage. And, and there was a purpose I was using that passage that day and in, in, in what I was doing and in, in presenting myself as a pastor for this church. What I did not know is that God was going to take that passage and make it the theme of this church. Look at this passage, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able. Boy, isn't that good news? Do you need to know that somewhere in your life today? Is God able in this? Is God able in that? Can God do this here? Oh, folks, the Bible says God's able. Now to him who is able, and folks, this is what I feel like has become the theme of my life, to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. He's going to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit that reigns in us. He's going to do it for His glory. His glory in the church. His glory in Christ Jesus. Folks, God is writing a great story at Colonial Heights Baptist. Do you see it? Do you see the incredible thing that He is doing here? And folks, I only took you back eight years. I do not mean for a second to imply that the story began eight years ago. As a matter of fact, on a very personal level. I would look back to the ministry of, of Terry Harper, the 17 years prior to me, and I see what he did. And I believe on a personal level, what I'm getting to be and do as a pastor is because of the groundwork he laid, because of the ministry that he had. When you expanded beyond Terry to the church, folks, if you know much about the history of this church, when I look at what was going on here in the 90s and some of the, the, the radical changes uh, that were going on in this church, and if you remember, a lot of people left this church. Because of those radical changes. And the people of that church and the faith they were expressing and, and what they were demonstrating and doing. Folks, that church in the 90s was laying the groundwork for what you and I were going to get to be a part of today. Which that just makes me stop and think. Folks, what decisions are we making? What faith are we expressing? What are we doing so that the church in 2030 has ten times the opportunity that you and I ever dreamed about having? 
What is the church of 2030 going to do when they look back and say, man, praise God for what they were doing back there in 2011 that is giving us the opportunity at what we're doing today. Are we thinking like that? Because I look at God's story and that's what He seems to be writing. Look back at some people, names a lot of y'all wouldn't know. Garland Baird. Man, that man brought a DNA of soul winning into this church. I think of another name like Elmer Swan and the Swan family. Most of y'all don't know him. I just did Elmer's funeral a couple of weeks ago. Man, he brought a heart and a passion for missions. Invested in missions in this church. Folks, I go back to the story of Colonial Heights to the Great Depression where the story was being written that people were, were not paying their mortgages. They were paying their, for the church building before they were taking care of their own mortgage in the Great Depression. Now, I'm not asking for that. I can't imagine asking for that. Don't get, don't get concerned about where I'm going with this. I'm just saying, that's the story we're a part of. That's a part of where Colonial Heights Baptist has been. Folks, God is doing what He's doing here for a reason. There is always a reason. What part of the story are you? How are you being faithful with your part of the story? You know what, folks, last week we talked about stewardship. And we were talking about specifically in the area of finances. You remember we talked about God being the owner? And we're managers, and we were talking about managing those resources, those finances. But folks, stewardship is not just a financial word. You're a steward of your relationships. You're a steward of your experiences. You're a steward of your opportunities. In other words, folks, as you leave here today and you walk around and you look at what's happening and you look at all the people and you look out there in the concourse, you realize God gave you individually this church and this experience. And He's going to hold you. And I, this is not a frightening statement. It's a reality statement. He's going to hold you accountable. Hey, I gave you this opportunity. I was there writing that story right in your midst. Are you going to be a good manager of this opportunity? Are you going to be a good manager of what God is doing in your presence? I mean, folks, right now I'm thinking about every part of the story and how it relates to me individually. I'm praying for you the same burden. Man, what's my role in giving? What's my role in praying? What's my role in just walking with Jesus? And just following Him. What's my role in ministering and serving? What's my role in this church? Folks, you do know, and I know you do, this is not the church. You're the church. People are the church. Colonial Heights Baptist is not a building and it's not an address. As a matter of fact, it might one day be six addresses. But it's not an address. It's you. It's people. This is what God is doing in our midst. You should ask yourself, God's doing this in front of me. Am I being faithful? What am I going to do to step into faithfulness with what God is doing in my presence? Folks, I've learned one thing, at least one thing, as pastor of Colonial Heights Baptist. The moment we get a good, God-sized dream put together, we're behind Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning and we just remember and we review this story of where we've been, where we are, where we might could one day go. God, we praise you. 
We thank you for what we're getting to see, what we're getting to be a part of. Lord, we're in a place. I I just think of the finances. As we've come through this horrible economy, we've got a vision, a sight that's just right there at our reach where we could have paid over half of a $25 million project. These last three years, our church has met its budget each and every year, gone over what it needed in receipts. God, what are you doing that makes that possible? God, I think about 500 people being baptized. I walk out into that concourse and I think three years ago how huge that room looked. And we're going to walk out there in a moment. We're going to be shoulder to shoulder and it's kind of hard to get around. What are you doing here, God? I want to praise you and I want to thank you for what we're getting to see, what we're getting to be a part of. God, we wanted to impact our community and our world for Christ. And you're making it happen. You're taking us into our community. You're taking us into our world. And we praise you and we thank you. And I pray no one person, no one group, no one committee, no one church is glorified in that. I pray that you and you alone receive glory in this church. That you receive glory in your son and how he is proclaimed and exalted in this place. And God, I pray that every person in this room would take very serious the blessing and the experience that you're placing in front of us. That we don't see ourselves. Not a single person in here sees themselves as out here on the fringe, kind of in and out. They realize as a member of this church, they're a recipient of what you're doing here. They're a recipient of these blessings. And I pray every one of us would take seriously, how do do I manage my part of the story God is writing here? And I pray each one of us can be and will be faithful. For you, you are faithful. It's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen.